Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast coming at you on a Friday afternoon. I'm joined by Josh Walker this week. Josh, how you doing, buddy? I am okay, man. How are you, man? Uh, I and the NFL uh, family as a whole is doing much better now that we know uh, DeMar Hamlin. It looks like he is going to be okay. Obviously, the entire sports world has been uh, has been gripped with his story, the tragedy that befell him on Monday Night Football collapsing on the field. He has had his breathing tube removed. He was speaking to his team. So um, I just want to say how thankful we are that our prayers were answered and how thankful we are for the first responders who literally saved his life on the field on Monday night. Absolutely, man. I want to scare it, that, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, uh, prayers to you, young man. Uh, prayers to your family. Uh, I definitely want to support the toy drive, and I definitely want the number three uh, uh, Jersey. Uh, that was that was definitely scary for everybody. I've been watching football for over 20 years, never seen anything like that. Um, and just the heart and the courage that the fans in Cincinnati and the and the Bills training staff like it's rare that you see an NFL game where somebody has a seat, you know, has a cardiac arrest on the field. And for the Bills doctors, you know, for the Bills team doctor to come out assess that and do do his magical work, man. Uh, I don't know his I don't know the team, team doctor name, but thank him. And uh, something got to me a couple of yesterday, man. It really got stuck with me. So DeMar Hamlin, he obviously was, you know, on a breathing tube. He's out the breathing tube now. He, his, his first words to the doctors was, doctors were, did we win? And the doctors, man, gave the greatest response ever, man. They said, you won, the, you won in the game of life. Like, that's the greatest response ever, man. So um, I picked Buffalo before the season started to go to the Super Bowl. I hope they win it. And I don't give a damn if they beat Brady. I, I really would, man. I just, I just, I really, I, I just, I, I think uh, we've seen Buffalo go through rough patches. Uh, you know, they lost the, the Super Bowl to your team in the 90s. They lost, they lost to the damn in the whole NFC East in the 90s. Yep. So, uh, other than the Eagles. So, uh, and they might have lost a regular season game to the Eagles at some point. So, um, and then they didn't have a quarterback. Jim Kelly, you know, Jim Kelly got retired. And they never had a quarterback. Now they have a quarterback. So, I'm, uh, the fans in Buffalo, the fans in Cincinnati, man, they 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 show what football is about, usually is about, and uh, it's great to see that the, uh, that Mr. Hamlin is doing well. Uh, uh, well said, Josh. I'm uh, just happy that he's doing better. Obviously, moving forward, uh, the NFL schedule is now in flux. They're talking about different ways to handle that. Um, all of it's secondary. Uh, all that matters is that DeMar is doing okay, and uh, we are thankful for that, and we wish him the best moving forward. I did also want to speak to uh, – you talked about the toy. Uh, the last time I checked, they were up over $5 million raised. Uh, if you look at his GoFundMe page, he had a goal of $2,500. Obviously, it has soared past that. And I just think it speaks to uh, – people collectively can do some really cool things in the face of tragedy, and I just thought that was a, a very nice gesture – NFL fans by just people by humanity as a whole uh, to get that thing up over five million dollars the way they did I think is really cool. Absolutely, man, brings tears to your heart. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of my friends and family members, they think I'm heartless, they think I'm mean at times, but that brought a tear to my eye, brought tears to my eyes, man. Like I said, the toy drive, man, he's a football player, man. He don't, man, that man out here asking asking people for twenty five hundred dollars, man. He could have, he could have did that, you know, like he. Man, and trying to get back to the community, making sure kids had Christmases and stuff like that, man. And it's just, uh, I'm just happy, man, you know, doing that situation. We, you know, obviously we thought the worst, uh, but 
I'm just happy he's alive. I'm happy he's doing well. And uh, I don't care if he ever if he never plays in the NFL again. You know, he, he's a he's a not to say none of these NFL players aren't real, but he's a real NFL player. He deserves everything he has coming to him and everything he has uh, coming his way, man. So. Yeah, the, uh, the the silver lining to this tragedy, especially now that we know that he is okay, is that the world got to know DeMar Hamlin and what an amazing human being he is and uh, an amazing football player, too. He was able to crack that starting lineup as a late-round draft pick, but uh, as an amazing football player as he was, he's an even more amazing human being, and the fact that the world knows that now uh, is a good thing. And, hope, and regardless of if he steps foot on a football field again, He's a person that you know is just going to continue to do amazing things, and I'm glad that his life uh, gets to continue. Now, obviously, with this hanging over uh, the league, I didn't even think about gambling this week. I, I never, I didn't even look at the lines until earlier today when we found out that he was okay. Now, uh, now that we do know he is okay, perhaps we can sprinkle a little bit of gambling at the end of this podcast. I, I would like to te- keep the teaser of the week going as it's twelve and five. Uh, but you and I came up with a different topic to talk about today. Um, it's the game we love, so even in the face of tragedy, we want to keep talking about it. Uh, so we're going to break down the top 10 wide receivers in the history of the NFL. Uh, you and I have debated about this a couple of times off of the podcast. I tweeted out a list uh, last year, and I did change my list just a little bit. Uh, I got some pushback from people when I tweeted out my initial list, and some people made some good points. So I've made some adjustments, and um, we're going to start right here, Josh, with number one, and I think we both have to be in agreement. Uh, Jerry Rice, the best receiver of all time. I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, no, sir. He is number one on my list, the great Jerry Rice. Uh, he, he, he is number one in damn near every receiving, receiving category. Uh, he is uh, what we look at Tom Brady or Dick Buckus or – uh, Emmitt Smith or Barry Sanders, we look at those guys as the GOAT of their positions, and there is only one GOAT wide receiver, and that is Jerry Rice. Yeah, I, I put him in a category. There's there's really five athletes that I put, like, they're the best at what they did, and there's no question about it, and it's Jerry Rice, Wayne Gretzky, Tiger Woods, Serena Williams, Rafa Nadal on clay. Those five people are the most dominant athletes I've ever seen in my life and the, the numbers speak for themselves with Jerry Rice 10 times excuse me 11 times all pro 10 times first team both of those are records a three-time Super Bowl champion one Super Bowl MVP led the league in receiving yards six times led the league in touchdowns six times led the league in scoring in 1987 and you have to look at that and be like a wide receiver led the league in scoring that is absolutely unheard of that's usually a kicker just with his touchdowns in 1987 he was the leading scorer in the league um most receptions all time 1549 most yard receiving yards all time 22895 most receiving touchdowns and total touchdowns 197 receiving touchdowns 208 total now he is also the all-time leader in yards from scrimmage at 23540 What's wild to me is that he is the all-purpose yardage leader as well with 23.546. So just six return yards, including that. So all-purpose yards include return yards. Brian Mitchell's second on this list. He's at 23.330. 14,000 of those yards were return yards. Then you look at the rest of this list. You have Walter Payton, the running back. Emmett Smith, the running back. Tim Brown, who also returned kicks. Marshall Falk, who was one of the best all-purpose backs of all time. Ladanian Tomlinson, Barry Sanders. These are all kick returners and running backs. Herschel Walker, another kick returner. Marcus Allen, another running back. Curtis Martin, 
Tiki Barber, all running backs, Eric Metcalf, a kick returner, Derek Mason, a kick returner, Thurman Thomas, Tony Dorsett. You have to go all the way down to number 19 on the list to get to another guy who didn't return kicks and was a wide receiver, and that's your guy, Terrell Owens, at 16,000. So he's still 7,000 total yards behind Jerry Rice. Uh, his numbers are just otherworldly, and he's the only answer to the question as to who could be number one. Yeah. Jerry Rice is uh, it's not even no question. Jerry Rice is the greatest player I've seen ever. He is, he is, he is definitely something special. Uh, the number two very very well so Jerry Rice is simply amazing he is the best wide receiver ever and I really don't think it's close now I will say this you said you said you got six guys in your in your in your upper two number two so uh, I think we're gonna have the same number two and number three just in different orders I have Randy Moss uh, at number two uh, 15,292 receiving yards fourth all time four first team all pros Five times led the league in touchdowns, 156 total touchdowns. That is second in the league. Um, of course, that magical 2007 season, the under the undefeated Patriots run, which I know you are familiar with, uh, 1,493 yards, 23 touchdowns, uh, broke Jerry Rice's regular season touchdowns record. Now the caveat there is Jerry did it in 12 games. Randy had 16 games, but still uh, an incredible season. And um, I don't think we saw Randy Moss's true talent. I mean, we saw his true talent with Dante Culpepper, uh, with other guys, but we didn't really see him get completely unlocked until he played with your guy, Tom Brady. And uh, for me, Randy Moss is the clear number two. Yeah, Jeff, I, I love Randy. Randy's an amazing receiver. He's number three on my list. I have Terrell Owens as number two, at number two. Uh, I get your point. Uh, your, your, some of the points you made are actually going to uh, buffer my point. Randy Moss played with the greatest quarterback ever. The best quarterback, Tom, I mean, the best quarterback that Terrell Owens played with was an old Steve Young. When T.O. When and Randy both were uh, in their prime, I would say they both really were in their primes before 2007, but let's just use 2007. Randy Moss had Tom Brady. It was Randy Moss, Wes Welker, and Dante Stallworth. The second best receiver on the Cowboys that year was Patrick Clayton. Like, that, there was a talent disparity between the Patriots and the Cowboys. That's why the Patriots went to Texas Stadium that year and blew, them, blew that ass out. Because of the So, I think T.O. gets a bad rep. Uh, you know, he, he obviously, you know, could have done things better and handled things better. I'll give you that. But he never played with an elite Hall of Fame type quarterback. He never did that. Yeah, the, the only pushback I would have is, yeah, Randy Moss didn't play with Tom Brady his whole career. Uh, Randy Moss's early career with the Vikings, I think you could um, – I think that Donovan McNabb is better than Dante Culpepper. So uh, I would say that T.O., up until Randy Moss got with Brady, T.O. played with the better quarterbacks. And I'd probably take uh, McNabb and Tony Romo probably over uh, the older Steve Young towards the end of his career when he wasn't at that Hall of Fame level anymore. There are a couple of guys on this list who I think definitely played with bad quarterbacks, and I definitely take that into consideration with T.O., but I don't think that the, the level of quarterbacks he played with was as bad as, say, like a Tim Brown who played with terrible quarterbacks his entire career. Or, or, or I'll say, or an Andre Johnson. I'll give you that, fine. But I'm saying that at the end of the day, T.O. still played with – I mean, I, I know you, you're going to say uh, – McNabb was a, was a very good quarterback. Uh, I, I personally think Randall Cunningham was better than – other than – Maybe Romo at the time. Randall Cunningham was better than any quarterback that T.O. played with. 
I'm sorry. Like I'd rather have Randall Cunningham than Donovan McNabb. I've well, seen that Mc... that season, that season, you're, that was Randy Moss's rookie season. He only played that once. Like that one, really had that one year with Randall at quarterback. And Randall had the keys to a Ferrari with Chris Carter, uh, who's also getting consideration for this list. Robert Smith, who was a great running back as well. That offense was just completely loaded. And Randall Cunningham just had the keys to a Ferrari that year. No, he did. He did. But I mean, you know this. You can have the keys to a Ferrari all you want. If you if you mess it up, it's not a Ferrari anymore. <laughs> That's so, true. That's my, true. My point is, is that I just think that Randall, I just think that Randall was better than Donovan. Uh, I seen Donovan by himself, and I can make a case T.O. made Donovan. Now, but but Dante Culpepper was the one that Randy Moss played with the longest. So who would you take? No, no, no. I, I'll give you that. And, I, 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 that. I would take McNabb over Culpepper. I'll give okay. you that. I would take McNabb over Culpepper. But I'm sorry, he did play with the goat. Yeah. We can't act like Randy didn't play with the goat, and the T.O. played with the goat. I, 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 people would like T.O. more. Yeah, and it's—I mean, it's you're splitting hairs here. I have Terrell Owens third. You have Randy Moss third. Uh, either way, they're two, three in some order. Terrell Owens, fifteen thousand nine hundred thirty-four yards. That's the third most all time. One hundred fifty-three touchdowns, third most all time. Five-time All-Pro, led the league in receiving touchdowns three times. Uh, One thousand seventy-eight receptions. Uh, that is eighth all time. Now T.O. was definitely a better possession receiver than Randy, Randy Moss, of course, uh, more of the deep threat. Uh, but, you know, both guys did it in slightly different ways, but both guys uh, are, I think, two and three. I don't think it's debatable. They're, in some order, they're two and three behind Jerry Rice. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we, like you said, Jeff, uh, it's, it's a great debate. Uh, I love it. You know I love debating with you, buddy. Uh, a lot of times fans see us debating on the, uh, on the, uh, on the podcast. We debate – when text messages, we debate all the time, and I love it. The greatest thing about you, bro, is that you're smart, you're intelligent, and you know what you're talking about. Other than saying that the Lions and the Packers weren't going to be the Sunday night football game, but I'm not going to hold that against you. <laughs> we all get the same time, buddy. But I love you, bro, and I love you because you don't mind changing your opinion. You don't mind adapting to new information. So I love that. I just wanted to yeah. put that out here. Wanted to get Jeff his flowers. But, yeah, we're arguing. Well, I mean, not arguing. We're debating. Who's like, look. If you have the first pick, I have the second pick. If you like Randy, shit, I'll take T.O. If I like T.O., you'll take – I mean, if I like Randy, you'll take T.O. Yep. So it's really apples, oranges, bananas, grapes, whatever you like. Yeah. And, and this and this fourth guy that I have on my list, I think if he had played longer, if he didn't retire in the middle of his prime, I think you could be talking about him uh, in the debate with these two, and that is Calvin Johnson, Megatron. Woo! I have him at number four. The mm. three – the three-time first-team All-Pro, one-time second, so four All-Pros total. Led the league in receiving yards twice, including an NFL record 1,964 yards in a season. Calvin Johnson is what you would get if you built a wide receiver in a lab. He was six foot five, had speed out the ass, leaping ability. He high-pointed the ball better than anybody. It seemed like he would float in the air. And the crazy thing about him was the Lions didn't have really anybody else. And it didn't matter if you triple covered Calvin Johnson, he would just go up and get the damn ball. Uh, eight straight hundred yard games during that uh, record breaking season. That is a record. He also had 329 yards in a game. That is a single game record. Um, of course, the only thing keeping Calvin Johnson this low on the list is the fact that he just did not have a very long career. He called it quits pretty early and the Lions did not have a lot of success with him. Uh, he only appeared in two playoff games. So um, that's the only thing keeping him this low on the list. But for me, he is number four. Uh, I agree. I agree. I like uh, – I, I have Calvin Johnson number four on my list. I have uh, – obviously, we have two and two switch. But I have Calvin Johnson number four. Uh, Calvin Johnson suffered through a lot of bull in Detroit. 
the best coach he ever had, I felt like, was Jim Caldwell. And when Jim Caldwell won, they, they didn't they didn't like Jim Caldwell, uh, so they got rid of him. Calvin Johnson, uh, yes, he is what you would put in a, in as a lad. In if you're making a wide receiver, you will want him. Uh, I think he's more physically imposing than even To. Yeah, I love To. Uh, I think he's more physically impo- imposing than Julio, and I love Julio. I have Julio on my list. So my point is, is that like I just I I I I uh, Calvin Johnson. It was the reason why they called him Megatron for a reason. He was simply yeah. unique. He was one of a kind. He was one of a kind in college. Like, yeah, the brother went to Georgia Tech. The triple name option another, offense. <laughs> na- name another great wide receiver that went to Georgia Tech. Demarius like Thomas. Yeah, but no disrespect to Demarius Thomas, and I love you, DT. Rest in peace. There's levels to this. Yeah, Demarius Thomas is good, but he ain't Calvin Johnson. Nobody's Calvin point, Johnson. Yeah, well, maybe other than these three people that we have ahead of him. So yeah. my point is, is that, uh, uh, yeah, Calvin Johnson was unique. I mean, you, you you mentioned one of my favorite Calvin Johnson games was the Dallas Cowboy game when uh, Dez Bryant and in, in Detroit, Calvin Johnson had like 250 yards on used car. So. Um, and, and, and Des Bryant was mad. It kind of reminded me of when T.O. played Randy years ago. And T- Randy was outshining him and T.O. got mad because he didn't get the ball. Yeah, you talk about that Cowboys game. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Dallas had the ball and was running the clock out to win the game. They had a holding penalty that actually stopped the clock and stopped them from running the clock out and winning that game. Then, of course, Detroit comes down and uh, Matthew, Stafford le- Matthew Stafford leaps over the pile for the QB sneak to close it out. Calvin Johnson absolutely destroyed us in that game. Uh, you could also talk about Randy Moss destroying us on Thanksgiving, too. A lot of these uh, great receivers had, uh, had some big games against my Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to move on now to number five. And for, for me, it's going to be Larry Fitzgerald, uh, second all-time in receiving yards, second all-time in receptions, sixth all-time in touchdowns, two first-team All-Pros. Excuse me, one first-team All-Pro, two second-team All-Pros, 11 Pro Bowls, uh, led the league in touchdowns two times. The 2008 playoff run was the shining moment for Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, 30 catches, 546 yards, seven touchdowns in four games. Unfortunately, he only made the playoffs four times. Bad quarterbacks most of his career. Uh, The best that he ever had was an older Kurt Warmer. Kurt Warner and an older Carson Palmer. For the most part, Larry Fitzgerald had to deal with bad quarterbacks for most of his career. And he's looked at as this um, that this big go-up-and-get-it type of receiver. But Larry was also a great route runner. A lot of people don't know the Cardinals line him up in the slot fairly often. The only thing that he lacked was speed, but he could go up and high-point the ball uh, as good as anybody. And if you threw him the ball, if he got his hands on it, he was catching that damn thing. That dude did not drop the ball. So for me, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, kind of uh, on the polar end of the spectrum as far as Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson had that short career, which was just, uh, you know, just a, I don't want to call it a flash in the pan, but just that short career of, of amazing. And then Larry Fitzgerald just kind of just consistently did it year in and year out. Number five for me. I agree. Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald to me is the fifth best receiver ever. He's amazing. Um, like you said, he never really had a true quarterback until he had Kurt Warner, which was we talk about the end of people's career. I mean, woo, Kurt Warner was damn near on the end of his arm, let alone his last career. So uh Larry Fitzgerald, he trained, he trained other great receivers well from Anquan Bolden. Uh um, I know Steve Breston wasn't the greatest receiver, but he got the best out of him. Even now with the younger generation, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, obviously he's still in the Arizona area. So DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, those guys. Um, I just think 
Larry Fitzgerald was very underrated, and I think he's the fifth best receiver to ever play the game. So we agree on the top five, and maybe not in this order, but Jerry Rice, Randy, T.O., T.O., Randy, Calvin Johnson, and Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, I, th- I think the top five is pretty set in stone. Now, my guy at number six, um, some of the old heads might make an argument that he should be higher just based on what he did compared to the rest of the league. Uh, Don Hudson of the Green mm. Bay Packers is number six for me, three-time NFL champion. By the way, uh, the, the first guy on the list since Jerry Rice to, to win a title, the, uh, two through five great receivers, never won a championship uh, b- between the four of them. So um, that, I, I don't know if that speaks to – Anything or if it's just a coincidence, but uh, Don Hudson, three-time NFL champ, two-time MVP, the only wide receiver to win an MVP, and he did it twice. Led the league in receiving eight times, led the league in touchdown nine times of eight-time first-team All-Pro, second just to Jerry Rice. He was the first ever 1,000-yard receiver, had 1,211 yards in a 10-game season. The old record before that was 707 yards, so he obliterated that record. He had a season touchdowns. That was more receiving touchdowns than any other team in the league except for one. Um, he had seasons where he outgained entire teams' passing production. He was absolutely insane. Um, when he retired, he was the, uh, the all-time leader in receiving yards at 7,991 at that time, second place was 3,309. Mm. Uh, he retired with 99 touchdowns. Second place was just sitting at 36. He retired with 488 receptions. Second place had just 190. In fact, if you at the time of his retirement, you could combine second, third, and fourth all-timer receptions. They still had less receptions than Don Hudson. So Don Hudson, most of my guys on this list are going to be modern-day players. Obviously, the passing game is much more prevalent now than it was back in the day but Don Hudson was the first big wide receiver he was the first super wide receiver and I had to give him his flowers on this one so I have him at number six absolutely Don Hudson is and Don Hudson is in is in a group of my honorable mention he's in a group of five to six other guys I'll mention those guys uh well I'll mention one of them this would be near dear to your heart I have Drew Drew Pearson as one of my honorable mentions um a lot of people sleep on the 88 club the 88 club started with Drew Pearson Yep. And the famous Hail Mary against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, so uh, respect the, the Don, uh, the, uh, the Drew Pearson, respect the Don Hudson, respect to those guys. They are, they are, they are, they are trendsetters. They are trailblazers. Without those guys, there wouldn't be the guys that we have on our list uh, from the from the eighties, nineties, or even the, from this generation today. So definitely honorable mention to Mr. Hudson and Drew Pearson. For number six, I'm going to be in this. You're going to love this one. I have the playmaker at number six. Now, wow. I, know, I know some people might say that's a little bit too high, but for me, the Dallas Cowboys do not win those three Super Bowls if it's not for Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin was their second-best offensive weapon. He was their best receiver. The second-best receiver was a brother by the name of Alvin Harper. You remember when Alvin Harper left the Cowboys? I, I, I seen Alvin Harper this morning on the milk carton. I didn't even know. He, I didn't even know. I, you know, I had to let the Cowboys in, what, 93, 94? I, 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 I didn't know. I thought something happened to him. Saw him on the milk carton today. He's been missing for like 30 years. So Michael Irvin never had a great number two around him. Like Anquan Bolden had, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald had an Anquan Bolden. Or well, Layden's career had a DeAndre Hopkins. Calvin Johnson even, and we can laugh at Nate Burleson and whatnot, but Nate Burleson was a solid receiver. Randy Moss had the staff he had with New England. Terrell Owens played with Jerry Rice. So, fine. Michael Irvin never had the dominant number, number two receiver. Had Emmitt Smith getting 300, 400 carries a year. 
During that time, the NFL was a running league. Emmitt Smith, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders. Uh, I'm forgetting some running backs in the in the nineties. Uh, uh, I'm sure you. I'm sure Curtis you're, Martin was Kurt, in there. Curtis Martin was during that time. Um, um, no, I'm Rodney Hampton. A lot of people don't know about Rodney Hampton. I actually really like that dude with the Giants. But yeah, it was a running league in the it 90s, was a, it was sure. a running it was a running league. So the Giants during that time won the Super Bowl with their backup quarterback and Jeff Jeff Hostetler. So that tells you the, the NFL during that time was a defense. Bring your hard hat and bring your running game. You'll be in games. For what Michael Irvin did, he was always going against the number one corner, Eric Allen, Deion Sanders, Rod Woodson. You name it, he beat him. So for that and for the playmaker having three Super Bowl wins, I got the playmaker Michael Irvin at number six. Yeah, I I didn't know if I was being uh maybe too anti Homer not having uh, Michael Irvin on my list. I I probably have him slotted somewhere around eleven or twelve. I had him written down in my honorable mentions, so I don't have his stats written down because he wasn't on my list. But I definitely can't be mad at you for that. Uh, a player that's near and dear to my heart. The one pushback I will have is he did have another pass catcher on that team by the name of Jay Novacek that I think um, was a little better than people realize. Uh, yes. he, he just happened to play tight end. Mm-hmm. Jay, Nova, Jay Novacek, you can make a case probably was the best receiving tight end during that time. Other than, uh, well, no, I can't say that. Shannon Sharp was in the lead, Ben Coates. But he was up there. He was top five in his position. So my point is, is that I'll give you that. But when you face the Cowboys, you stop, eight, you stop 22 and you look for 88. Yep. No disrespect to Jay Novacek. Uh, or Alvin Harper, Nick Harper, or or, or or Kendall Harper, whoever. You wanted to stop the running game, and you wanted to stop the playmaker. So with that being said, um, for me, and you know, you know none of these none, these receivers for me, don't I don't need to say that stat. You know Jerry Rice is, you know T.O. is, you know Randy, Calvin, Larry, and, and Mike Worthen. My list is based off of, obviously, ability, somewhat of winning, and just when I watched you play, how dominant were you? Michael Irvin was dominant. Michael Irvin probably was the second, third best receiver doing Other than that, say that, you know, uh, Mike was uh, Mike was definitely top three during this time. Yeah, I, I, I can't argue with that. He's not on my list, but, I mean, you're, you're really splitting hairs. There's, I mean, I have 20 people written down here for honorable mentions in addition to my top 10 list, so uh, we're, we're going to have some overlap. But I'm glad, I'm glad we're disagreeing a little bit here. So I don't have Michael Irvin on my list, but, like, as a Cowboys fan, I can't be mad at you there. At number seven, I have Tim Brown, and this is a guy who I didn't have. When I tweeted out my initial list last year, I did not have him, and I got some pushback from a lot of people being like, you realize – how bad the quarterbacks that Tim Brown played with were. And I didn't realize it, and I did some deep diving, and he still put up those numbers. Uh, with subpar quarterback play for most of his career, he had 100 touchdowns, that's ninth all-time, 1,094 receptions, that's seventh all-time, 1,400, excuse me, 14,934 receiving yards, that is seventh all-time, two times all-pro, nine-time pro bowler, 176 consecutive starts. He is the Iron Man at the wide receiver position, caught passes from 19 different quarterbacks. So I'm just going to run through a list of the quarterbacks that Tim Brown played with, and this will give you an idea of how incredible it is that he put up those numbers. He played five seasons with Rich Gannon, and Rich Gannon was probably the best quarterback that he played with. And Rich Gannon has an MVP to his name, but that MVP was more of a system MVP uh, than anything. Rich Gannon was not really – 
the best quarterback in the league the year that he won MVP. He played four years with Jay Schroeder, four years with Jeff Hostetler, two years with Jeff George, a year with Steve Berline, a year with Brian Greasy. He had eight offensive coordinators during his career, six different head coaches. Um, he also played with Billy Joe Hobart, David Klingler, Donald Halas, who I've never even heard of, Wade Wilson, T. Martin, um, Rick Meyer, Bobby Hoying. You've never heard of any of these guys because they're not good quarterbacks. Tim Brown consistently put up numbers with subpar quarterback play, and for me, that makes him number seven. Yeah, for me, number seven, I have Chris Carter. I have okay. the, uh, every uh, all he does is catch touchdowns. He had a slow start with uh, with uh, Philadelphia. He got drafted by Philly. He had a drug problem. Yeah, he had some big legal problems there in Philadelphia. Uh, it, it's well documented. He 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 talks pretty openly about it as an analyst. Yeah, Buddy Ryan uh, cut him. I remember the interview him and Buddy had. Cut you to say. And he worked his way up. Worked his way up. He worked his way up. And I, I, I give Chris Carter this. Randy Moss, to me, is not the professional that he is today, the great that we think he is, without Chris Carter. Just like I don't think T.O. is the great that he is without Jerry Rice. Like, it's, 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 it's called osmosis. When you're around greatness, that's osmosis. That's greatness. You're around that. You're beyond that. You feel that. So, uh, for me, I have Chris Carter, number seven. I think he is vastly, over, vastly underrated. I think he's special. I think he is beyond something. Yeah, uh, so I have I have Chris Carter on my list as well. I have him at number nine, sixth all-time in receptions, fourth all-time in receiving touchdowns, uh, like you said, he uh, all he does is catch touchdowns, and that it shows you he's fourth all time there. Um, that that 1998 Vikings team with him and Randy Moss. I talked earlier in the podcast about Randall Cunningham having the keys to a Ferrari. I mean, he had two of the best uh, to you, two of the best seven to me, two of the best nine wide receivers of all time. Either way you look at it, he had a loaded offense. Uh, Chris Carter also 13th all time in receiving yards. So I have him at number nine. You have him at number seven. But uh, either way, a top 10 receiver. I don't think there's any denying it. Yeah, absolutely. I think Chris Carter's a top 10 receiver. Special. Full uh, of size. Could catch everything. Really invented the one-hand catch for me. The way he caught the ball in the 90s with the gloves that he had. Not these, not the, obviously the gloves that they have now. It's crazy. But the gloves that Chris Carter had, uh, he caught everything. He was special. He was unique. Uh, I wish he could have worked out with Buddy Ryan. I felt like, you know, Buddy would have been perfect for him. But be that as it may, we all go through trials and tribulations. And Chris Carter is where he's at. He's, he's a, to me, he's, like I say, he's the seventh best receiver ever. Yeah, and it really is telling, too, uh, that Buddy Ryan defense, that Philadelphia defense, was one of the best of all time. And that was the year that Chris Carter got cut. Philadelphia was, the, I think, maybe the first team ever to have the number one defense and not make the playoffs. I, I think I had that stat correct. And if you had added a Chris Carter, like the Chris Carter that we came to know, if you had added him to that offense, uh, they would have possibly been a Super Bowl contender. So, uh, yeah, definitely disappointing the way that he started his career, but he finished it well with Minnesota. And, yeah, like you said, uh, number seven, I, I, I have no arguments to get that. I have him at number nine. At number eight, I have Marvin Harrison of the Indianapolis Colts, uh, Peyton Manning's favorite receiver for his entire career, three times first team all pro five times second team all pro two times leading the uh league in receptions he's a super bowl champion um 1102 receptions that's fifth all time 128 touchdowns that is also fifth all time 14,580 yards that is ninth all time he has 51 games with eight receptions 
32 games with nine receptions, 12 games with 11 receptions, eight games with 12 plus receptions. That is the most all time for all of those categories. He also, him and Peyton Manning also um, combined for 953 receptions. That is the most all time between a quarterback and receiver. 12,766 yards combined between them. That is the most all time. 114 touchdowns, also the most all time. So Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, the most prolific wide receiver quarterback duo in NFL history. And for me, that puts Marvin Harrison at number eight. I agree. Marvin Harrison is the eighth best receiver ever. He's number eight on my list. Uh, like you said, with the dominant with the um, records that he set with Peyton, obviously he's had one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. But to be fair to Marvin Harrison, that Marvin Harrison did have other weapons that Peyton could have gave the ball to, and Peyton chose him. You had yep. Reggie Wayne there, you had Dallas Clark there, you had Brandon Stokely there. Uh, uh, so it was definitely weapons there in Indianapolis. Uh, and I'm going to mention the name that most people going to scoff at. But Pierre Garçon? Pierre Garçon. I, I, I wasn't going to mention him. I'm glad you mentioned him. Uh, I'm not saying Austin Colley was the greatest receiver, but he was solid for the, I mean, he was solid for the Colts. I actually liked him with the coach. So yeah. Um obviously they had number one weapons throughout the throughout the uh throughout the door, but for um for Marvin Harrison to do what he did, Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Brandon Stokely, those guys. Yes, sir. I have Marvin Harrison at number eight on my list. Yeah, uh, the thing about it is uh with the exception of Reggie Wayne, I think everyone else you named was kind of a product of the system. They were talented, but they wouldn't have been what they were, uh, put up the numbers they did without Peyton Manning. I think Marvin Harrison would have been good no matter what quarterback he played with. Yeah, he would have been. Marvin is, uh, Marvin is definitely Marvin. So, so uh, my number nine was Chris Carter. We already talked about him. So who did you have at number nine? Number nine for me is the great Antonio Brown. Now, I Oof. know, ladies and gentlemen, I know everyone y'all here, Antonio Brown, yes, Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown was the best receiver during his time. Yes, sir. He was the best receiver in the league with Calvin Johnson. He was the best receiver in the league with Julio because he didn't have their size. He had speed. Antonio Brown did something with the Steelers, quite frankly, that I've never seen nobody else do. Hans Ward was the best receiver, but you knew they had guys on the way. Uh, my, man that cut the, uh, uh, my man that cut the game with the touchdown pass against the, uh, San Antonio Holmes. He was a very good receiver, but you felt like they had guys on the way. The Steelers still ain't replaced Antonio Brown. I don't give a damn how good you think George Pickens is or, or Deontay Johnson. They ain't A.B. Antonio Brown. And I'm, I'm very upset with Antonio Brown. He cost my team a Super Bowl ring last year along with Tristan Wirfs being hurt. Be, be, be that at be, – I'll let bygones be bygones. Antonio Brown was the ninth best receiver that would touch an NFL field. The brother's gifted. The brother's talented. The brother has speed. Every team that – think about this. The Steelers and the Raiders. Had teams trying to get at him because they knew what type of talent that brother had. Unique talent, unique individual. John Gruden, maybe not, maybe this is not the best source, but John Gruden said, No one works harder. Tom Brady, no one works harder. For me, number nine. Yeah, I, I had AB on my initial list. Um, I, I moved him off. I'm going to admit it. Um, he deserves an honorable mention for sure. Um, like you said, he was the best receiver in the league for six years. He had a six-year run from 2013 to 2018 where he put up numbers that nobody ever, that hail and pale in comparison to everybody not named Jerry Rice. He had 1,500 yards in 2013, 
1,700 yards in 14, 1,834 in 2015 with 136 receptions, 1,284 and 12 touchdowns in 2016, 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns in 17, 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns in 2018, had over 100 yards, 100 receptions in all of those seasons. Um, That six-year run for him was absolutely incredible, and I wanted to have him on this list. He quit on his team. He did. We, we talked. We talked about what happened with the things that Terrell Owens dealt with, the things that Chris Carter dealt with. None of them ever quit on his team. Terrell Owens played in a Super Bowl with a broken leg. You yeah. couldn't keep that man off the field. Antonio Brown walked off on his team in the middle of a game. So, for the purposes of this top ten list, I'm gonna pick somebody that didn't do that. I get you, man. AB, uh, he definitely is a head case in the shit show, but you can't deny his abilities. You can't deny his talent. Uh, he came in, uh, got drafted, I think, in the sixth round out of Central Michigan. He was drafted by the lovely wide receiver draft draft factory of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, you know, uh, denying we, that, man. Jesus we, Christ. They take me where to pick him. We can go back from the 70s and go all the way up to now. Look at George Pickens. I wanted the Baltimore Ravens to get George Pickens this year. They didn't get him. But um, long story short, short story long. Antonio Brown, in my opinion, was the best receiver during his time. He, he, was, he played in the league with Julio Jones, uh, Demarius Thomas. Uh, 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 Calvin Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins. He was the best. He was the best receiver in the NFL. Uh, I think Antonio Brown was unique. Now, I'll give you, he quit on his team in Tampa. That hurt me. Last year, he walked off the field, peaced off, and he basically ended his NFL career. But before he got, before he messed up in Pittsburgh, he was no doubt the best receiver in the NFL. At worst, he was the second best receiver if you thought Julio was better. I thought A.B. was better just because of the size, the ability, and, and the hands that A.B. had. He was definitely a unique individual. And with that being said, Antonio Brown, for me, is number nine. Yeah, I, I'm not going to have him on my list. I, I talked about why, but I definitely can't deny. I mean, I had him on my list initially. And um, if he had retired after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, I'd probably still have him here, uh, probably as high as number six. So uh, can't deny his talent, but um, the off the field or the on the field stuff that turned into off the field stuff. Uh, now, now he's tweeting about Tom Brady, making you know, making jokes about his divorce. I, I, I can't put my name behind somebody like that. So that's going to move us on here to number ten. And I had a I had a laundry list of guys here that I considered for number ten. Uh, the aforementioned Antonio Brown, Michael Irvin, who you had at number six, Art Monk, who retired as the all time leader in receptions. Um. Lance Allworth, Steve Largent, both of whom were ahead of their time. Charlie Joyner, also ahead of his time. James Lofton. Uh, Steve Smith, who you mentioned briefly, man. That guy was my size, and he took no shit from anybody. I mean, I don't want to say this as a positive that he broke a, a teammate's eye socket at practice, but that guy didn't take any shit, and he was as tough as they come. Speaking of guys as tough as they come, Heinz Ward, I, I considered as well. Lynn Swan, ahead of his time, had to deal with catching wobbling pra- passes from the very overrated Terry Bradshaw, but that's another oh. story for another day. Um, oh, two no. guys down in Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, Andre Johnson, that I gave consideration to. Julio Jones, who I'd probably have at 11 or 12. Sterling Sharp, who, man, if his career didn't get cut short with Green Bay, him and Brett Favre had a real thing going. If Sterling Sharp's career didn't get cut short due to injury, he's easily in this top 10. I ended up landing with Isaac Bruce. He was the best Mm. receiver on the greatest show on turf. So I was 12 years old. That was the first year that I really, really got into the NFL, started paying attention to the league. He's fifth all-time in receiving yards. Doesn't have the all-pros to back it up, just one second-team all-pro, a four-time pro bowler. But 
that Rams team, I mean, yes, Marshall Falk was the best player on that team, but Isaac Bruce put up huge numbers on that team. And even before the greatest show on turf when the Rams were just stinking it up and going 6-10, and 10, Isaac Bruce was still putting up numbers. Once he got Kurt Warner playing at an MVP level, he was one of the best receivers in the league and has the numbers to back it up. I have Isaac Bruce here at number 10. Man, that is amazing. Uh... Not, I don't have Isaac Bruce number 10, but I, I have a list of people. He has written down on my list as honorable mention. So uh, that means that great minds think alike. Um, let me do this before I mention my number 10 guy. You mentioned my number 10 guy in this, uh, the names that you mentioned. Honorable mention for me, like I said, Drew Pearson, Torrey Hall, Isaac Bruce, Sterling Shepard. Um, Sterling Sharp. Ster- I'm Sterling Shepard. Sterling Shepard. Sterling Sharp. <laughs> thank you. Woo. Sterling Sharp. If Sterling Sharp didn't get hurt, yep. he, would be, he would be the Sharp that's on TV. Yes. He was, on TV, he was on TV before, uh, while it was uh, a couple years ago, but you know, like, when you get a TV job, it's about cash in. If Sterling Sharp was in the Hall of Fame, oh, he would be on TV every day. That's how great he is. He only played seven, he played seven years. For, for people that don't, like, might sit here and say, oh, Sterling Sharp, I never heard of him. When I look up the stats, I don't see his name. He played seven seasons. He was first-team All-Pro three of those seven seasons, a pro bowler five of those seven seasons, led the league in receptions three of those seasons, led the league in touchdowns two of those seasons. Sterling Sharp would have been one of the greatest receivers of all time if not for that injury. He was absolutely incredible. Absolutely. And let me say this. Played in the era, let's just mention some names. You think Jerry Rice good? What about Mike Worth? What about Chris Carter? So, like, that's the era that he played in. And was making first-team All-Pros. And was making first-team All-Pros. So that means it was Jerry Rice and it was him. Chris Carter and Mike Worth was fighting for second-team All-Pro. So my uh, Brett Favre doesn't have those three MVPs without Sterling Sharp. Let's put it that way. Absolutely not. He is not revered without Sterling Sharp. Yeah. That's my opinion. Like, Brett Favre is not who he is without Sterling Sharp. Tom Brady is who he is without certain guys. Fine. Aaron Rodgers is who he is without certain guys. Brett Favre is definitely yeah. is. For me, um, like I said, Drew, Pence, Drew Pearson, honorable mention. Sterling Sharp, honorable mention. Um, who else I have? Tory Tory Holt, honorable mention. Isaac Bruce, honorable mention. I might be a little high on this. I don't think Anquan Bolton is a top ten receiver, but I want to give honorable mention to Anquan Bolton. That playoff run he had with the Baltimore Ravens. That, that, I'm, I've never seen a wide receiver play better. Yeah. Only wide he, receiver he, I can say, only wide receiver I might be able to say better was Larry Fitzgerald when the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl. Because Larry Fitzgerald was catching everything. He was catching footballs. He was catching women. He was catching colds. He was catching it all. Yeah. So, ninth all time in receptions. So definitely not a stretch to put Anquan Bolden on her mentions. But my number 10, Julio Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, when I first saw Julio Jones play, he didn't play Alabama. Saban got one. Saban been trying to find Julio since. Calvin Ridley, the, the uh, Mari Cooper, the whoever. One Julio Jones. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all you need to know about Julio Jones. That was a game played in 2017. Uh, it was a Super Bowl. I think it was Super Bowl 52 when the Falcons played the Patriots. The Falcons are in that game because of Julio Jones. Matt Ryan wins the MVP because of Julio Jones. What has Matt Ryan done since Julio Jones left him? I'll wait. I digress. Julio Jones is the most physically dominating wide receiver I've ever seen. He has he, he has more strength, I think, than T.O. He can run past you. He had great hands. Up until 
now, he, he, he wasn't really he, – he got hurt, but he wasn't injury-prone like how he is now. Basically, he's older now, so we get that. But when Julio was with the Falcons, I think he's a top 10 receiver of all time. I probably got him too low on my list, but for right now, I have him number 10. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. Julio was absolutely incredible. We talked about Calvin Johnson, uh, if you created the receiver in the lab. Julio Jones is in that same mold. You talked about the Super Bowl, and um, obviously the 28-3 comeback is what everybody remembers. Julio Jones made a catch in that Super Bowl on the sideline where he leaped into the air, stretched his body out of bounds, caught the ball, and put his feet in bounds. I think there's maybe him and Calvin Johnson and maybe Randy Moss are the only three receivers in the history of the league that had the leaping ability and the body control and the hands to make that catch. It was absolutely ridiculous. And if the Falcons don't blow that game, I, that that's going down as one of the greatest plays in the history of the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um. Uh... I still think it still goes down as the greatest place. It's one of the greatest places in Super Bowl history. Obviously, the, uh, the uh, I mean, there were so many plays in that game from the sack, uh, high tower had on Matt Ryan, the Julio, the Julian Edelman catch, yeah, the Julian Edelman catch. Uh, that was more lucky, like like the Julio. Oh, that like, was definitely more lucky. That was more lucky than the Julio catch. Uh, so I, I just think, um, yeah, I, I get your point, but Julio. I still think that catch is memorable. They don't they don't show it obviously because the team because they didn't win. Fine, but that catch was memorable. And I remember I, seeing it. I remember seeing that on the, on the sideline. I'm like, damn. Yeah, I, I've gone back and watched it at least a half dozen times. Yeah, I mean, it was it was something special, man. It was definitely something special. Julio Jones, man. I, I, like I said, he gets a raw deal because his team didn't win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm looking at the list I have now. Jerry won the Super Bowl. T.O. didn't. Randy didn't. Calvin didn't. Larry didn't. Michael Irvin did. Chris Carter didn't. A.B. did. Marvin Harrison did. And Julio. So basically, it sounds like five, five, five did, five did. Yeah. So. Now, and, and the A.B. thing too. Like, like what puts Antonio Brown on the list isn't the Super Bowl winning season. That was at the end of his career. Like in his heyday, like during his prime, the seasons that got him on the list, the, the, the Steelers weren't winning Super Bowls. No, they weren't. They weren't. But uh, I, I, I say I used to say this about A.B. and Julio. Now it's funny that Brady played with both of them basically when their careers is over. But I would have loved to see them with a young – like how Brady had Randy Moss or how Peyton had uh, Reggie and, and uh, Marvin. I would love to see them with an elite, elite, elite quarterback. I, I love Big Ben. I don't think he's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. He's elite, but he's not that elite. He's mm-hmm. not He's not in that class of elite. So um, in the same way with uh, for, for, for Julio with Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is a very good quarterback. Um if Matt Ryan would have won that Super Bowl, you might have a case for him to be the MVP. For MVP for, might have a case for him to have a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, seriously, because of what? Because most people forget about Matt Ryan, and I know this is a wide receiver conversation, but I just want to show some love for Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan got drafted at that time to the worst organization in the league. Dog fighting situation. Didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, Arthur Blank basically was, was, you know, was obviously looking for a star quarterback because Matt. Uh, because Michael Vick got incarcerated with the dog fighting situation. So uh, that was a pretty tough situation. And for him to get that team to a Super Bowl and, you know, consecutively make the playoffs, uh, that was very, very good. But, again, that doesn't happen for Matt Ryan if he doesn't have Julio. Yeah. And uh, uh, speaking to Matt Ryan, uh, how good he was, uh, I believe he resurrected the career of Roddy White. Roddy White looked like he was going to be a bust until Matt Ryan showed up. Yeah, absolutely. 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 And also Julio did because Julio, uh, Ronnie White was getting 
the best receipt, best corner. And then when guys start really like, well, wait a minute, time out now, I'm like, well, that's Julio Jones over there. Like, let's, you know, let's be ready for that. Yeah. He started getting the number two to number three uh, cornerback. So, like I said, man, for uh, for me, Julio is number 10. I, I probably have him too low on the list, but he's definitely number 10. Yeah, I, I, I have him probably uh, somewhere around 11 or 12. He's right there for me. Um, Maybe I could take one of the older guys off. But, uh, I mean, like I said, you're splitting hairs here at, at the Absolutely. top of the list. These are the greatest receivers to ever play the game. Uh, this has been a fun conversation, Josh. Um, I'm glad we went through it. This was a fun exercise. But I am going to pivot. This is a gambling podcast. And, like I said, now that we know that DeMar is going to be okay, I feel a little bit better talking about gambling. So we're going to start with the upcoming uh, national championship game. First off, the semifinals, man. I, I, I know you watched. I, you're an avid college football fan. I'm a little bit more of a casual. But uh, that was the greatest college football semifinals of all time. Collectively, the, the greatest wow. two games that I think we've ever seen in the college football semifinals. No, 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 no doubt about it. No doubt about it. 100% right, 200% right, 300% right. Jeff, my brother. I, that Saturday, I'm young. I'm, I'm not, that makes it seem like you're old. Like, just 75 years old. No. I'm, I like to go out for New Year's. My black ass right in the house watching them games. As hmm. the Ohio State kicker missed that field goal, it was the new year was being rung in. Yep. That was, that was the two greatest, and I always said this about college football. Why do you guys play your games on New Year's Eve? That's stupid. Now, I don't necessarily agree with that now, but I can. If you're gonna have games like this, totally understand. Yeah. Um, I hope that that Michigan TCU game, it was like a, it was like an entree when you go when you go out for dinner, you get an entree and then you get the actual meal. Like that Ohio State Georgia game, ooh, Ohio State came to play. CJ Stroud earned them some money, but I will. I got to give credit to the mailman, Stetson Bennett. We keep as 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 fans. And as media pundits, I guess we can say that now. It's a, it's a media show, so I guess we're media. Guess we're part of the media now, Jeff. Um, <laughs> you try to bury Stetson Bennett. He's not this. He's not Bryce Young. He's not C.J. Stroud. He's not Caleb Williams. None of them, other than other than Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young don't even have a national championship. Yeah. He's the only one in there with a national championship. So uh, I love the games, uh, the uh, college football semifinal games. Uh, I felt like Michigan got too cute at the beginning of their game. That's why they lost to TCU. Um, and I felt like Stetson Bennett was the was the was the deciding factor in that Georgia and Ohio State game. So uh, the Georgia Ohio State game, I had a, a different deciding factor. Uh, it's Kirby Smart. How often does a, a head coach make make the play that wins the game? If he doesn't call that timeout before the fake punt, Ohio State runs away with that game. Yeah. Yeah, you you could you could definitely make that case. You could definitely make that case. I I, I will. I don't think. Let me say this. You're going to ask me this if Georgia wins the national championship. No, I do not think they're on the level of Alabama. Now they won two in a row. That's fine. I give you that. Be on the level of Alabama consistently. You have to win consistently, consistently, consistently. I think Alabama being an SEC championship next year against Georgia. We'll see that on CBS. Can't we? Yeah. Uh, be that as it may, you're 100 percent right. You, I'm gonna take take you back to a play. I don't know if you remember this national championship. Deshaun Watson was on the Clemson Tigers, and Alabama was in the national championship with Derrick Henry. They played them out there in Glendale, Arizona. Glendale, Arizona. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Is Renfro. That, yeah. No, no, no. That's the year after they played. That was okay. the, uh, That was the year after. The okay. year before they played them in Glendale, and Alabama won. Do you know what the deciding factor was in that game? It was an onside kick. 
Mm. Alabama had scored and they stole the possession from Sean, pa- Sean Payton style. Sean Payton style. Come out now. If now it wasn't out of halftime, because that was I, Sean Payton got some big cojones for doing that. That is impressive. <laughs> but what Nick Saban did was, and this would told me. I remember this. I remember this play now. Now that you mentioned it, it it it, it uh, dug it back up in my memory. That that that, ch- that that changed the game, and that play told me the same thing it told me about Kirby Smart. I don't think Georgia's on the level of Alabama, but they damn sure coming. Because yeah. let me say this: when you have an old coach like that, I know Kirby isn't Nick Saban though, but when you have an old coach that's stuck in his ways, and he understands, bro, I need to I need to change it up. I need to get some offense going. You're unbeatable at that point. Because Kirby ain't never going to forget defense. Never forget defense. And the fact that he has some offensive mind now, it makes him unstoppable. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you touched on the on the matchup before the game, and I think that was proven right away. Ohio State was the worst matchup that Georgia possibly could have gotten. They did not want to see that team. That's the one team that can compete with them from a talent standpoint. And it, and it played out on the field. But Georgia – Found a way to pull it out. In the other game, though, um, a lot of people are on TCU. This this line came out at plus uh, TCU plus 13 and a half to over under 63. It's now down to TCU plus 12 and a half. And TCU shocked the world. They won the game against Michigan. Good for them. It took two pick sixes, three goal line stands, and Michigan still had the ball with a chance to win that game. No matter what happened, like the, the course of that game, I mean, Michigan starts out the game with a 50-something yard run. You're thinking, oh, here we go. They're just going to dominate the line of scrimmage. They end up failing on a fourth down conversion there. They end up throwing a pick six after a three and out after that. Their fullback fumbles at the goal line. Uh, they settled for a field goal on another goal line trip. So they throw another pick six later in the game, and it still never felt like Michigan was out of the game. Even though they never had the lead in that game, I never felt like Michigan was dead in that game, and they kept fighting back. But um, TCU, I mean, give them all the credit in the world. They stole that game, but they did steal that game. Um, they were not the better team. They really didn't have any business winning. Like I said, three goal line stands, two You win the game by six. I don't think they're going to get those kind of breaks against Georgia. And the one thing I will say for TCU is that during those goal line stands, you would think the Michigan offensive line would push them around. TCU did not get pushed around the way that I thought they would. And they kept that game close and they definitely deserve the cover. I just didn't think they deserve to win. Georgia is better up front than Michigan. And I think TCU is completely outmatched in this game. And I'm grabbing Georgia minus 12 and a half. Yeah. I like TCU. Uh, Plus 12 and a half. I'm going to be honest with you. I think TCU can win the game. I don't see it. I, I'm glad you see it. And and, and, I, and the fact that you see it makes me feel better about watching the game. This is the matchup that I didn't want to see. When the when the semifinal matchups broke out to where TCU wasn't playing Georgia, I was like, good. We're not going to get that annual blowout in the semifinals. And now that it's – this is the matchup in the championship game. I'm thinking, oh, okay, we got treated to the two greatest semifinal games of all time. Now we're going to get that blowout in the championship game. So I'm glad to hear you push back a little bit because I really want to see a good game. I, I absolutely do too. It's the last game of college football season, whether it's on ESPN, ABC, or I don't give a damn, whatever channel. Like, I, I want to see a good game. I'll give you that. Look, let me say this. You know, you, you said it. You, Jeff, I love you. You, you, you brought me into this, to this, to this segment so well. I'm an avid college football watcher. I watched TCU play about seven, eight times this year. I watched them play against Baylor. Thought they thought they wasn't going to win that. I watched them play against Kansas State the first time. I didn't think they was going to win that. I watched them play against Kansas State in the Big 12 Championship. I thought they was going to get blown out. They lost basically at the end of the game. 
I watched him play against Michigan. I picked Michigan. And Michigan's going to the championship because I thought this was Harbaugh's finale. And by the way, one of these episodes, we're going to have to talk about head coach and carousel because we definitely need to mention what's going on with him. Be that as it may, I'm tired of betting against TCU. <laughs> they keep making me look bad. My, my, yeah. I ain't gonna lie. And then, ladies and gentlemen, my, my, the, my back pocket keeps getting smaller and smaller. It's not because I'm anorexic. I'm not because I'm anorexic. Anorexic. I'm sorry. Anorexic. Anorexic. <laughs> Thank you. I do like to eat. Them goddamn TCU horn frogs, they took the money out of my pocket. I'm done. I like TCU plus 12 and a half, and I actually think TCU can win the game. I'm going to tell you this. I think TCU can give them can, can give Georgia more problems than even Ohio State can. I don't think wow. TC, I don't think TCU is as talented as Ohio State. But let me say this: when you win a game like how TCU did at Baylor, NFL teams can't run on the field with their field goal kicker and do what TCU did to just get into the college football playoff. I'm sorry, you're a team of destiny. When you do stuff like that, you're a team of destiny, man. No way around it. Yeah, uh, so, so that that speaks to Sonny Dykes. Like you talked about Jim Harbaugh, he's getting all the love from the NFL. Sonny Dykes outcoached him in that game. That's the reason TCU won. And now, and, and, I, and, and, I'm sorry. No, I'm I don't. I don't know that he can do that against Kirby Smart. I don't know if he. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Kirby Smart's a better head coach than Harbaugh. I'm just saying that I don't know if Sonny Dykes is going to get that lucky again because he was. Regardless, he was. He was at a talent disparity. If you look at Max Duggan's numbers from that game, I yeah, mean, he was terrible. He was terrible. He, it's not that he was terrible. Uh, his his completion percentage was bad. He made plays when he had to. His completion percentage was bad because he was throwing the ball away. He's making good decisions. He was throwing the ball away when he had to. And um, I just don't think that he was just basically waiting for an opportunity to get back in that game. And those goal line stands and those pick sixes kept them in the lead in that game and let them play from ahead, which is, is Michigan in their worst possible scenario because that's a team that likes to run the Let's play from ahead. It put Michigan in their worst possible scenario. I just don't know if they're going to get lucky enough for Sonny Dykes to be able to exploit that against Georgia. But I think if they can keep it close against Georgia, that's all they need. If they can keep it between seven and ten, you know, and you right in that area, I think they'll be fine. I I, I don't think this national championship would be a blowout. I really don't. I think TCU, uh, your average viewer may have seen TCU three to four times. I've seen them play double that. Uh, they're they're a good football team. They're a worthy national championship opponent. Now that doesn't mean they can't get blown up. I just don't think that they will get blown up. I think Georgia will win the game, but I think it will be um, it will be very it will be closer than as my as my, as the great Lee Corso says, closer than the experts think. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely think this game will be closer than the experts think because this is a national. And let me say this one more t- one more thing. I don't give a damn if the college football going to 12 teams or 22 teams or 112 teams. This is the best opportunity TCU ever going to have to win the national championship. Yep. Let me say this. You better seize this like this Holly, Beyonce, Rihanna, whoever you like. You better seize it. They will. I don't necessarily think that they'll win, but this ain't going to be no 12 and a half point game. No, sir. I, I hope you are right. Um, I, I'm I'm gonna make the no fun bet. I'm probably gonna be on Georgia and the under. Uh, I know I know most people are gonna be turning into this game, hoping to see an upset, hoping to see points. Uh, the thing about the fun bet is that it usually loses. So I'm probably gonna be parlaying the Georgia money line with the under 63 in this one. Yeah, I don't blame it. <laughs> Georgia is the better team. <clears throat> I'm sorry, and uh, I would not be surprised if they won the game. But as far as the points, I'm taking TCU. I think TCU will definitely keep it close. 
Well, like I said, I hope you are right. And um, as I said in the open, I really didn't dive deep into week 18 in the NFL. I didn't want to like I just couldn't do it. I mean, DeMar Hamlin was on my mind. It was on everybody's mind. And I just couldn't in good conscience sit here and think, oh, man, how am I going to bet week 18? It just didn't seem like just just didn't seem like it was in good conscience to do that. So I, I really didn't dive too deep into week 18 but i do have a couple of bets that i like uh starting with saturday i'm going to run this by you the jaguars are six and a half point favorites against the titans the jaguars are taking 80 percent of the bets against the spread mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the league i think he's going to figure out a way to make this game close i think the jaguars are going to win i think it's going to be closer than six and a half i'm grabbing the titans here i agree i like jacksonville to win but i do think it'll be a close game just because the titans know that whole season is on the line Okay, and then moving into Sunday, I, I didn't dive too deep into the Sunday games, but the teaser of the week won last week. It is 12-5, and five, looking to get to 13-5 and five on the season. So I'm not going to have picks for every game, but I am still going to have a teaser of the week. Teaser of the week. That is right, the teaser of the week. And we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills taking on the Patriots. I don't think the Bills just own the Patriots at this point. I think Josh Allen seems to have great games against the Patriots defense, regardless of how talented they are. Josh Allen just seems to get the job done against them. So I'm going to tease the Buffalo Bills down from minus seven to minus one. And then my other play is going to be to tease the Minnesota Vikings down from minus six to a pick them. I know the Vikings don't have anything to play for. The bears want to lose this game. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts taking on the Houston Texans in a game that nobody wants to win. If the Texans that game and the Bears lose, the Bears get the number one overall pick. And um, I'm going to get your thoughts on this teaser of the week, and then I have a conspiracy theory involving that Texans-Colts game. Mm. Well, for me, the teaser of the week, I actually agree. Uh, I would take it a step further. I actually think the Vikings are going to destroy the Bears. Uh, do you know who the Bears started that quarterback? Nathan Peterman, the worst quarterback in the history of the NFL. So I like the uh, I like the Vikings uh, minus seven. Okay. I can definitely see why I definitely see why you're picking it down to a pick them just because I get that. Yeah. Uh, how about the Bills Patriots game? Oh, I agree. Uh, I don't want to see the uh, you know this. I don't want to see the Patriots in the playoffs. I have a bet with a friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Kevin Fortan. He's a good friend of mine. He's a Patriots Patriots avid supporter. Uh, we was actually on the phone earlier uh, today talking about the Patriots and the Bills game. I think the Bills will win the game uh, just because of what happened today. That that DeMar Hamlin situation, man, that, that is so uplifting. Like, I cried when I heard what the doctor said to him. I cried. So it's, 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 uh, it's you know, it's definitely uh, – I think the Bills uh, will be in a better headspace, and I think they understand what's at stake. The NFL is giving them opportunities where, though, they, you know, if they win and the Chiefs win, the AFC Championship will be, you know, if they get there. Yeah, a, uh, a neutral site. Yeah, they have every incentive to win. They definitely don't want to go to Arrowhead for that game. Absolutely. So my conspiracy theory with the Texans and Colts, I think the Colts are going to throw that game. I think they're going to do everything they can to lose that game to the Texans, which would give the number one pick to the Bears. The Bears do not need a quarterback. They're going to be very open to trading that pick. I think the Indianapolis Colts throw the game on Sunday Give the win to the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans are picking second overall. The Chicago Bears are picking first overall. And then the Indianapolis Colts 
trade up to the number one spot and select C.J. Stroud from Ohio State? I don't, uh, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that at all. I, I disagree with who, who who's going number one, but I don't disagree with the fact that the Colts could definitely throw that game away on Sunday because it would behoove them to try to get a young quarterback. Because they tried the veteran route, that doesn't work. So they need a young quarterback. Or Bryce Young. Uh, now, now I think if the Texans get the number one overall pick, they're going to take Bryce Young. I think the Colts would rather have C.J. Stroud, just just based on the makeup of the team. Now, I put in a bet on FanDuel, uh, C.J. Stroud plus three hundred to be the number one overall pick. That number is down now down to plus one eighty. So I have a good ticket sitting in my hand, and um, I, I I bet it because I think this all, I think this is going to play out. I think the Colts are going to end up picking number one overall, and it's worked out pretty well. The other two times they picked a quarterback number one overall, just saying Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. Yeah, that's not a, not a, not a, not a, not a bad list to go off of. Absolutely <laughs> not. So. Uh... I I I I do think uh, I don't I don't I'm not gonna call you a conspiracy theorist, bro. This isn't a Reddit. This isn't a Reddit theme or a Reddit form or no, I don't believe that. You have a thought process and you have thoughts that you have you have ideas that support your your thought process. I don't think that you're crazy. I'll say that. I don't necessarily. <laughs> now I'll say I don't. The Colts suck so bad. They don't have to do. They don't have to throw the game. They can just show up and lose the game. That's so true too. That That's said, true like, too. They don't necessarily have to be like, oh, well, we're gonna do this bad. No, you suck. So like, we 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 get you suck. But uh, be that as it may, uh, I definitely think that the, the Colts will be in contention for a quarterback. Absolutely. I do I do think it would behoove them to get a younger quarterback because they tried the veteran route, and that doesn't work for them. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to go with somebody younger. It's a complete blow up there in Indianapolis. Now, Josh, before we sign off, uh, do you have a best bet uh, coming up for Week 18? I do. Uh, I have the Green Bay Packers over the Detroit Lions. And I'm going to take it a step further. I don't want to ruin the playoff playoff ratings, but I, I like to be ahead of the curve. The Packers are on a four game winning streak. They'll be on by when their season ends. They'll be on a seven game winning streak. The Packers going to the NFC Championship game. Wow. Yeah, they're going to beat. Now I know you're going to call this wishful thinking because of the team that's on the other side of the bracket. But this has nothing to do with. Wait, 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 wait! Both of our teams are on the other side of the bracket. Exactly. Don't don't assume you're going to don't assume you're going to beat my Dallas Cowboys. No, 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 no! I'm not. Well, I'm, I'm picking Tampa Bay to win that game. But however, let me say this: I'm going to make you and me happy. <laughs> let, me, let me start with Green Bay, then I work I work my way back to Dallas and Tampa. Green Bay is going to beat Detroit on Sunday, Sunday night. Then they're going to beat San Francisco. First round of the playoffs. Yes, I know. They're going to beat San Francisco on the road in the first round of the playoffs. And then they're going to go to Philadelphia and beat the Philadelphia Eagles in the next round of the playoffs. Wow. Now, let me say this. The winner of the Dallas-Tampa Bay playoff game, which I think will be either Sunday night football or Monday night football. Remember last year? I think they're going to put us on Saturday. I really do. Hell no. What time? The Saturday night game. The Saturday night game. Nah, 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 nah. Let 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 that be Josh Allen versus um Miami. That's a good game. They can put that Saturday night. Okay. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you why I think the Tampa Bay game gonna be Sunday night. Because of who we're playing. Remember, last year during the first round of the playoffs, there was a commentator. He doesn't work for Fox anymore. He works for ESPN. His name is Troy Aikman. He was pissed that he didn't get the Cowboys on the 49ers game. Why is the Cowboys the 49ers game on CBS? Remembers that. What did the NFL do for ESPN? Game of Super Bowl. Also, 
ESPN, okay, we'll give you this if you improve your announcer, your announcer team. They got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't think they're the greatest announcers, but they're very good at what they do. I think that the Tampa Bay-Dallas game will either be Sunday night or Monday night. But regardless of what day it is, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whatever, whoever wins the game is going to the NFC Championship game because they'll play the winner of the Vikings and the Giants. And I don't give a damn who went out of the Bucks and the Cowboys. Either team can beat the Vikings or the Giants. We've seen that. So uh, Tampa Bay beat the Giants and the Vikings. I know, this is, I know I'm going back two years. That's fine. But they beat the Vikings two years ago when they went to the Super Bowl, and they beat the Giants last year. So I feel very comfortable when Tampa Bay can beat those two teams. And we've already seen your your, your Cowboys beat the Giants twice. One time and, with Cooper Rush. And blew out and, the Vikings. And blew out the Vikings in Minnesota. But getting back to Green Bay, oh, Green Bay Green Bay are going on a nice little playoff run, bro. They're going well, on a nice I, little playoff run. I hope you're right because uh, the, the scenario you laid out, I think, puts the winner of our game in a Super Bowl. So I, I will take that if it happens. That's what That's what a friend of mine said. And he picked Dallas to go to the Super Bowl. Now, Jeff, you know you're my man. You know I love you. But, uh, yeah, next week we'll probably only talk when we do the show and never be that. So I get it. And I hope for your sake, I want the Cowboys to win the East. They can have it. It doesn't bother, it doesn't bother me one bit because I think Tampa Bay can beat Philly, especially the way Philadelphia playing now. Well, so, and, and also just given the ghost that Jalen Hurts is going to see from last year's uh, game where he had the worst game of his career in the playoffs <laughs> against your team. It would be in the same arena, same form, same place. So he has to get over that hump. That and being said, the Giants have nothing to play for. Tyrod Taylor is not going out there and beating the Eagles. No, I think the Eagles will be the number. I think the Eagles will be number one. Forty Nine is number two. Vikings three. Bucks four. Cowboys five. Uh, Giants six. And the Packers seven. Packers beat the Forty uh, ers You obviously know I'm taking Tampa, so I get that. Tampa, and then I don't. I, it doesn't. For me, if Tampa beats Dallas, I want the Giants to win because if the Giants win, then Tampa Bay has a home game. And I think Tampa Bay can beat the Giants. But even if they played the Vikings, I think Tampa Bay could beat the Vikings because the Vikings' defense sucks. Yeah, uh, I mean, they took a 60-yard field goal for the Vikings to beat the Giants earlier in the season. So uh, I, I could definitely see it playing out that way. Uh, you touched on us not talking. We, we we will be talking leading up to the playoffs because as I laid out to you and James on Twitter earlier in the day, we have a treat for the next episode, I have a, a, a great exercise laid out uh, to rank the teams in the playoffs, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it should be a lot of fun, and I'm really looking forward to that episode. But, um, Josh, anything else before we sign off, man? Uh, yeah, it's a great week, great week of football. We got the NFL Saturday and Sunday, the National Championship on Monday. Uh, so, uh, great week of football. Can't wait to do the show with you and James. Can't wait to see where the great Jeff has Mike McCarthy at. <laughs> Wait to see that. Uh, McCarthy, bro, when you lose with the Cowboys, because it's bound to happen, they going to blame you. You suck. You ain't no good. Mike McCarthy, I got your back, brother. I got your back, big, now, big double M. The one, back, the, one, the one advantage he does have is um, he might be playing the one head coach that I'm going to have below him in those rankings with, with, <laughs> with your team. Right, oh, let, me, let, me, let me say this. I, I, will, I will give this away. The worst head coach in the playoffs for the NFC is Todd Bowles. You got it. I'm glad to give it to you. You got it. Well, I'm looking forward to doing that exercise with you, Josh. And I enjoyed uh, this exercise going through the top wide receivers with you. Uh, this was a lot of fun. And I look forward to another fun episode next week. This was episode number 99 of the Let It Ride podcast. Next week will be episode 100. So a little bit of a ceremonious uh, episode number 100 leading into the wildcard playoffs.
Absolutely, brother. Congratulations to you, uh, to the Leather Ride Podcast, uh, uh, statistician, statistician, statistician to the great people behind the scenes for the Leather Ride Podcast. Shout out to you, Jeff. You're amazing. Uh, it's been it's a great podcast. I'm glad to be a part, and I plan on being a part for the rest of my life, bud. Well, I look forward to having you uh, as long as as long as we're doing this, Josh. And uh, as always, I enjoyed our time together, and I'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir, man. Enjoy the week, brother. Be safe. You too.